When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald, and Friday means Q's and A's, questions and answers, queries and hmm, responses. I wanted an A word, but I couldn't come up with one. Okay, you know what we do? We go to the thesaurus right here. We're just going to go to it right now. Let's see. Answer. Is there another A word? I love my thesaurus. Answer is uh, reply, response, rejoinder. Acknowledgement. Oh, no, that's not a good one. I mean, I guess it could, but I'm not just going to acknowledge. I'm going to actually answer the question. All right. So we're going to say queries and responses. Uh, So we have a bunch of questions lined up. A bunch. Uh, because we had so many come in over the holidays, and I appreciate every one of them. All of the questions on today's podcast came through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, which makes it just super easy. If you've got a computer, and who doesn't? Heck, if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you can use the microphone on the phone phone to answer questions, and it sounds so much better than these VOIP um, uh, phone call systems. You can call us, though, at 855-935-TALK. As a matter of fact, this is the Friday podcast. It's a good time to remind you that if you want conversation with Tom and me, you want to actually talk to us so we can have a little banter and we can ask you questions, you can call us on Saturdays between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern every Saturday except for an occasional holiday, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. So give us a call. Now let's get to today's first question. Hello again, Tom and Don. I forgot to ask the question regarding IRS contribution limits for retirement accounts. Before, my husband's full-time employer puts all the match in his pre-tax 401k account. My husband's contributions are placed separately in a Roth 403b. For next year, though, his employer said that all his match will now go to the 403b, which we assume it is a pre-tax 403b. Our question is, what contribution limit would apply to my husband? Is it 22500 for the employee only? Or is it 22500 for both employee and employer contribution? Thank you so much. The 22500 is the employee's contribution limit. Does not have anything to do with the employer. As a matter of fact, the employer's limits are, are just gigantic. Gigantic. It depends on the employee's salary, but... It can be a lot of money. If an employer really wanted to, to do a, a, a big contribution, they could. Now, in 2023, 
the rules now allow the employer contribution, it doesn't have to go into the regular account. It can go into the Roth version. So that may or may not be better for you. But yeah, 22.5 is the the amount you can take out of your paycheck. And uh, there is also a, if you're over 50, there's a catch-up allowed. Anybody over 50 can add an additional $7,500 to their um, their 403B. I know in my 401k, I upped my contribution this year to get me right at that 30000 That's a lot of money to go in every year. And it's wonderful when you're putting 30000 in and it's being matched, as our employer does. And your your husband's employer does so. It's great. Thank you so much for the call and the question. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And uh, let's go to our next question. Tom and Don, this is Ada. I hopefully have a new question for you that listeners haven't asked yet. It was announced over Christmas break that both the House and Senate has approved penalty-free 529 rollovers into Roth IRAs. So I think this is great news for a lot of folks who oversaved for their kids' educations. Um, I believe that the accounts can only be rolled over uh, to the beneficiary and not the account owner. I'm in a situation where I actually have this account in, as the it's listed as my name for as the account owner as well as the beneficiary. And I'm wondering if I retire and I'd like to roll this uh, 529 amount over into my IRA, how does that work? Do I actually need to have earned income during the uh, phase in which I do the rollover? I also understand that the rollovers are subject to the annual Roth IRA contribution limits. Um, so I couldn't take out uh, the lifetime amount of, I think, 35000 um, in one sitting. It would need to be sparsed out through a couple of years. Uh, do I need to have earned income during those years that I do the Roth IRA uh, rollover? Thanks. Oh, we're going to steal all of Tom's thunder tomorrow. This is one of the things he wanted to talk about, but uh, no, it wasn't tomorrow. He wanted to talk about it at retirement. We're going to talk about it at retirement. There have been a lot of changes to retirement tax rules. And this 529 change could be in the future a very big one. Here's the deal. Uh, this law was, was signed on December 29th. And it allows a beneficiary, not the, they were talking about making the owner too, only the person who benefits from the 529 plan. If they don't attend college or they don't use it all up, then (laughs) based on some rules, it can be rolled into an IRA, a Roth IRA. But it doesn't take effect until 2029. And the 529 account has to have been open for 15 years. And the money has to have been in the 529 for at least five years. So money put in in the last couple of years couldn't be rolled into a Roth IRA. In addition, it's a maximum of $35,000 that can be rolled from a 529 to a Roth. However, it's subject to the contribution limits. So if you're contributing up to the limit, 
which is in 236500 if you're contributing up to the limit then you can't roll any over from the 529 if you're not contributing at all you can roll the 35000 but it's going to take 6 years to do it at 6500 a year has to be the beneficiary so there are some restrictions but hey it's good for the beneficiaries because it gives them another option before it had to be used for education, only education. Now it can be used for retirement. So, you know, maybe <laughs> I have to do the math one of these days. No, as a matter of fact, you know what? I can pause this and do the math. Stay right there. You'll, you won't even notice I left. You won't. It's time shifting. Hang on. Oh, it's magic, wasn't it? Oh, this is fascinating. I just ran the numbers on that. If if and, and I make I made it simple. If you put the thirty five thousand dollars into a Roth IRA, and you never added another penny, you just took thirty five thousand out of the five twenty nine and put it in a Roth IRA in your twenties, and you left it there in a not a particularly aggressive portfolio. I'm aggressive enough, an equity portfolio, and I'm going to be conservative on the number because equity portfolios have earned over 10% per year over decades, 100 years has been the average. But let's say eight. Let's say eight. <laughs> if you left it there for 45 years until you're in your 60s, when you can retire, probably in your 70s by then, you'd have one and a quarter million dollars. Hmm. 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 And if you put the, just a little bit in every year, holy cow. I, I mean, you have several million dollars. Maybe it's just better not to go to college. Just skip college and put it in the wrong. <laughs> okay. I know it's bad parental advice. Well, my kids are grown, so it doesn't matter at this point anyway. Yeah. So, wow. Thanks for the call. I know I went off on a tangent. Thanks for the call. We really are the question. It's not really a call. Oh, they're going to call it a call. It's on the computer. We'll call it a call. We got to do another one. Let's do this. Hello, Tom and Don. My name is Jordan, and I have a question about some extra money that I am investing right now. The money is what I used to be paying extra towards my house to pay it off at a 15-year rate. Um, the mortgage rate on my house is 3.25%. I decided last year to open up a taxable brokerage and put the money in there um, with the idea of being able to beat the 3.25% over the next 15 years and maybe see where I'm at at that time to see if I wanted to pay the house off or uh, continue investing it and letting it grow. Now I'm starting to wonder um, if I should maybe be putting this money instead of into a taxable brokerage um, towards my 401k. I currently am able to max out the Roth IRA for my wife and I, but I do have some room in my 401k that this money could fit into. So the question is, is it worth it to keep it in a taxable brokerage to have that flexibility, or should I be taking advantage of the uh, retirement accounts and putting that money into the 401k? Thank you. All things being equal. And they're not. But if they were all equal, they're not. Uh, the, the 401k would make more sense as a place to put that extra money if you're not maxing it out for one of two reasons. 
if you're in a high bracket, the tax deduction, or if you're, uh, you think you're going to be in a higher bracket at retirement, the Roth option, which is tax-free growth, which is better than tax-deferred. It beats tax-deferred. So if you have a Roth option, that's I think, I think that would be a no-brainer, but even the 401k might be, the regular might be good. However, the great unequalizer or inequalizer is always the quality of the investments inside the 401k. And you didn't mention who runs the 401k, but if the investments are expensive, actively managed, not great, then that may take away that tax advantage and make the ETFs in the brokerage account look a lot more attractive. So it's one of those, well, I hate to say this. It's one of those questions where the answer, the right answer is, hmm, it depends. But I, I mean, I'd lean 401k. Thanks so much for your question. Next one. Hello, my name is Ben. I had a question now that you guys are part of Appella Wealth. The differences between Vestry and Appella Wealth are, I know that Appella Wealth has multiple offices around the country. Are all of them fiduciary and all the advisors always fiduciaries and does Appella um, go with the vestry approach of index or index like funds been thinking about that for a while just haven't had a chance to ask the question thanks guys ah our partners at Appella well uh, <laughs> our employers at Appella uh, a couple of years ago Tom and I were approached. Oh, in fact, over the over many years, Tom and I have been approached by a number of firms uh, considering buying us, merging with us, whatever. I mean, including the biggest, well, not maybe the second biggest one, huge firm, uh, because we're unique. We're very unique. So we got lots and lots of interest. Uh, Appella, though, what struck us about Appella is the similarities to Vestory. They had the same belief in academic research. They brought a lot to the table in terms of the people we care about the most, and that's you guys. They had great research, great research, and their advisors are all fiduciaries, as we are. It's all fee-only, and throughout most of the firms. See, the offices, they've been uh, merging with firms around the country. And so the fee structures are going to vary a little bit from office to office only initially because the, the, the old firms are coming in you know, with some clients at different rates. But across most of the firm, our fees match up. Our philosophy absolutely matches up. Uh, we, we have discussions about this all the time. You know, sometimes we have advisors who go, let's do something new. And of course, Tom and I, <laughs> we're kind of the face of the company now. So uh, we, we, uh, we, we still exert some pull on what happens. And we like the portfolios that they have been able to create and, and the back office services that they get us that are far, 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 far superior to what we had before. So we thought it was a good thing for everybody involved, including all of you. And so far it's turned out to be true. Um, so uh, we, we like them. We think they're good people. 
that's really the thing. We sat down with them. We broke bread with them. We had drinks with them. And after a lot of meetings, we just liked them. They're good people. And they treat people well, and they believe in that. So we're happy. So I hope you guys are happy. Next up, this one. Hi, Don and Tom and Tom and Don. I don't want to show any preference. Um, I have a question about traditional IRAs. Um, We, my husband and I currently have invested in all Vanguard funds. Um, We have Roth IRAs, not concerned about that. I am concerned about our traditional IRAs in terms of the tax consequences with our, uh, our uh, required minimum distributions. Um, we have in uh, the Strategic Equity Fund, the SEQX, $200,000. We have in the Prime Cap Fund, which is VPMAX, $300,000. We have in the Intermediate Term Bond Fund, VBILX, $300,000. And we have in the U.S. Growth Fund, VWUSX, $7,000. I am wondering if we should be moving these into ETFs. Since my understanding is we don't have to pay capital gains on the uh, on the uh, uh, traditional IRA required minimum distribution, but we'd have to pay tax on them. Would it make sense to put them into ETFs since I can do that without uh, selling them and uh, taking any gain on them? We've held them for a long time. There's even though things are down, nothing is down far enough for us to avoid uh, gains because we've had them for so long. Anyway, I'm just wondering if it makes sense or is the fact that there is no capital gains going to make it unnecessary or or undesirable to switch them over to ETFs? Just leave them as is. What do you think? Thanks. Well, let's start with what seems to be just a little bit of confusion. From what you said, I gather that all of these Vanguard funds are in your IRA, in your traditional IRA. So the whole idea of capital gains or tax losses or anything tax-related is absolutely moot. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if the funds distribute capital gains or not. Doesn't matter if they're ETFs or mutual funds. Doesn't matter. Because once you start taking money out of a regular IRA, it's all taxed as income. Just doesn't matter what the fund did. Now, if this was my money and I was in the actively managed equity funds, the um, the VSEQX and the VPMAX with lots and lots of money, I would probably move those to VT, maybe VT with a little small cap value. The, the I'll use words. The total market index ETF or the small cap value ETF or their fund equivalents. Either way, I just would get out of the actively managed funds because we don't believe 
they can beat the market, and we'd rather be the market, and they're not the market. In those two funds, you only have about 600 stocks. If you had VT, the Vanguard Total World Index ETF, you'd have over 9,000 stocks, and we think more is better. Doesn't, But the change, nothing really matters because these are in an IRA. The only reason to make a change would be if you think you should to get what should be long-term, should, no guarantees. Vanguard could continue to get lucky and do really well. I mean, the, 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 um, one of the two's done well. The other one has not. I'm trying to remember which one because I've forgotten. Oh, yeah, Prime Cap has done better than the Strategic Fund. But uh, I'd just rather be in indexes. I just think it's simpler, it's saner, and the potential is at least it's good, probably better. I don't know. Thank you so much for your question. And we're going to sneak our last one of the day in. And here it is. Hello, Don and Tom, and Happy New Year to you both. Well, thank you. And, Tim, and I'm just a quick note old, to all of you. I'm retiring in 2023. I took your risk assessment quiz, discovered my tolerance was basically 50% bonds and 50% stocks. I also looked at your information on the various companies' investment portfolios, did not see my company listed, so I'm going to need some advice from you. Um, I have choices within my 401k, and I've narrowed it down to small value, bond, international, and target-based uh, funds, only mutual funds, because we don't have ETFs based on my risk tolerance. And I'd like your opinion on which of these to contribute to in 2023 and move my investments into. The following funds are two Vanguard target retirement funds, the 2020 and the 2025, which is VTWNX and VTTWX. The small value fund is a victory integrity small value, ticker symbol V, excuse me, MV, SSX, international funds, one of them, the Fidelity Total International Index, FTIHX, and the other, the Invesco International Diversified, OIDIX. And the final two are bond funds, Fidelity U.S. Bond Index, which is FXNAX, and PGIM Total Return Bond. PTRQX. I'd like your advice in which of these funds you would put your money into for 2023. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. And just a quick note to all of you listening. The best thing you can do for your future right now so that you can start a plan that makes sense for you is to go take that darn risk quiz, risk quiz like Jim did. You want to know? What your tolerance is, it's going to give you a pretty good idea. And Jim, since you're a 50-50 kind of guy, uh, one, I would totally skip that victory integrity small cap overpriced value fund at almost 1% per year for the, for the institutional shares. That's their cheapest shares. It's actively managed, not impressive. I wouldn't touch it. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't worry about having small cap here. You might want to do that outside of retirement plans 
or in a Roth or something, uh, using something like uh, uh, the Vanguard small cap value ETF, VBR, I think. Uh, but as for, again, making it too complicated. Investing can be really, really simple. If you're a do-it-yourself investor, you're picking your own portfolios. You don't have an advisor to really build the, the, the proper thing with the right asset classes in this little thing and that little thing. Then the best thing you can do most of the time is just a target date fund. It's so simple. And Jim, in your case, you should be you should be half in the target 2020 and half in the target 2025 because the 2020 is uh, about 45% stocks and about 55% fixed income. The 2025 is about a 60-40. So you put the two together and you're going to come really close to 50-50. By the way, you have the ticker wrong on the 2025. The ticker you gave me was for the 2030. The 2025 is VTTVX, not WX, but uh, I would just do the target in your work plan and then add a small cap value outside. And that's going to give you just this massively diversified portfolio in the target date fund. You're going to own almost everything, almost everything. Literally you got the total bond index, the total stock index, the total international stock index, the total international bond index. You got short-term inflation protected securities. You got the whole gamut in there and then you can, overweight because it doesn't have a lot of small in it. It's weighted as the market is weighted. So if you want to ask uh, to add a little bit, do it outside of the I or do it outside of the retirement plan and uh, pick up a small cap value index from Vanguard or Avantis or somebody like that. So uh, I just would go with the target, make it simple. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being a part of this podcast. Our audience is growing by leaps and bounds, and I really appreciate it. So does Tom. He's not saying it, but I know he does. And in just the last couple of weeks or so, last week, we have risen to really, truly one of the most popular podcasts on Apple Podcasts. We're uh, in the top 200 of all business podcasts, and there are thousands of them. Uh, we are in the top 50 of investing podcasts, and there are thousands of those. And we wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the fact that you guys helped us get there. Oh, my gosh. And a couple of reviews lately that have just been glowing. I know we make some of you mad. I do. I do. And, 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 and it's we particularly make young people mad because we disagree with the fatty things. Not fatty, but fatty with D's. Um, but you'll grow to like us because the advice we give, the help we provide is, okay, dull, boring, and timeless. And based on lots and lots of experience. I want to I I reinforce that. Younger people in the securities and investment business tend to to do things that they later regret. And I know this from personal experience. In my late 20s, I was 
one of those non-fiduciary commissioned brokers doing anything I could to keep my job and make my next paycheck, make my next paycheck and keep my job. And I learned it wasn't all about money. It's about doing the right thing. Had I stayed with Dean Witter, now Morgan Stanley, had I stayed there, continued to do what I did throughout my 30s and 40s and 50s and even 60s, I mean, I was successful enough in my 20s. By by now, I would have been raking in probably a million dollars a year like so many do, at least half a million. But no, I quit, got into radio, and that turned out really well for me. So if you're younger and you're listening to us going, well, this is not anything exciting, that's the whole point. It's not supposed to be exciting. This is not a sport. This is your life. This is your future. You don't want to play around with it. Just ask anybody who got involved with FTX or AMC stock or whatever it was. Bernie Madoff. Just ask them, was that exciting, potentially high return worth the reality down the road? Yeah, we're boring, but we're right. Would you rather be excited and poor or bored, right, and wealthier eventually? Thank you all for being there. Take good care of yourselves. I'm Don. Tom and I will be uh, taking calls on Saturday from 3 to 5 live. And if you want to meet with one of our advisors or meet with Tom, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor or call our office during business hours at 800-386-3... I should know this. It's been my phone number for about 30 years. used to be the the, uh, newsletter number, 800 386 3004 uh and uh oh to call the show that's 855-935-talk 855-935-8255 i'm don hanging out nearly every day talking real money we hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?